Leviticus 17 in particular, I want to just read a couple of verses out of that because it's relevant to where we're going over the next few weeks. Because if we don't understand what happened on the cross, we don't understand why the cross was needed. We don't really understand how blessed we are. Otherwise, you know, we just, oh, well, we believe in Jesus, we believe in the cross. You know, and we state a fact, but we don't really know the gravity and the depth of what God's done for us. So the law, the purpose of the law, the law of God is perfect. The law of God, uh, if, if we kept it, we would be saved. It's as simple as that. But the, no man except Jesus Christ was perfect. So every one of us, man, woman, child, have broken the law of God either by our actions or by our thoughts and our words and our deeds. You know, so we have to understand that the law is there to show us that we're not good enough. The whole purpose of the law now is to prove to man that we cannot obtain God by our own righteousness. We cannot enter into heaven by our own deeds because the law of God is perfect. We're not perfect. We haven't been able to fulfill it. So we're all in the eyes of God, fallen short of what Romans says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, I want to be in the glory. I want to be in the glory of God. I, I want to experience God, the fullness of God. When I, I have told you before, but there's new people here that haven't heard this. When I was in Las Vegas many years ago, I was in that church, uh, and I, I encountered Jesus uh, what I believe was Jesus. It was a golden, translucent figure uh, that walked through a woman and came and spoke to me on the second row, uh, and just a little taller than me. Uh, and we spoke. I didn't really say anything. I just received, really. But he spoke into my spirit, uh, and then he walked off and disappeared. And I knew in my heart that that was an encounter with God. So, and I believe an encounter with Jesus himself, although I can't prove it. But my spirit has that, has that peace to know who it is. In my knower, I knew it was God. Uh, and so when the worship stopped, uh, that lady he'd walked straight through fell to the floor and she cried for the rest of the service. Just, just shuddering and crying. You know, that's an encounter with God. God comes and he touches us in ways we don't like or don't expect. I was doing nothing except just worshipping like everyone else, but God chose to reveal some aspect of himself to me. And the purpose of the law is to show us that we can't enter into that glory realm without somebody paying the price. Now, the law demands we pay the price. But Jesus stepped in our place so we don't have to. Mm. Why? Why? Why did God even care? Why, why does God care so much to die for people? You know, you, very rarely, you know, Jesus himself said, no greater love than this than a man lays down his life for his friends. You know, and we think of the heroes on the battlefield. You know, the ones that maybe jumped on a hand grenade or, or, or held the line whilst everybody else escaped and they lost their life by holding the line. 
we think of those type of heroes. You know, but Jesus was a hero for every single person on this planet. Why would God do that? Because, you know, sometimes when I look at my life, I ain't that nice. I'm not that perfect. I know I'm bursting somebody's bubble because you're thinking, oh, pastors, pastor Bill, pastor Bill, this. The truth is, I ain't that nice. You know, I'm still married as a miracle. It's because he's gave me a good wife. Puts up with me. But, you know, I am a work in progress. I am changing. I'm getting better. But I'm getting better not because I'm better, but because my revelation of what Jesus has done is getting better. You know, I'm not changing in my strength. I'm changing because he's changing me. And we need to submit to that process, don't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Leviticus 17 I've got three verses I want to pick out this morning from this. Um, Verse 6 says, And the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Okay, so what is this chapter on about? What is Leviticus 17 on about? It's on about sacrifice. It's on about the Passover of God. And we're going to look at the Passover, especially as Easter's coming. We're going to look at in-depth Passover. It's going to blow your mind. But the Passover is then being remembered in the new tabernacle in the wilderness where the Israelites have come out of Egypt. And here it's talking about sacrificing animals, either in the tabernacle doorway or sacrificing them out in the field. And in the field, the references is to sacrificing animals to false gods. We have to bring our sacrifice to the altar of the living God. Anything we do in the name of self or in the name of a false god is an empty sacrifice outside of God. And this is what Leviticus 17 is talking about. It doesn't always portray that clear, but that's the summary of it. So it's saying here that priests shall sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the altar. What was the altar? The altar was a place where they offered the animal. And, they, and it, it, the altar stood and, and they threw the animal on and it became a sweet smelling aroma to God. And the sacrifice covered the sin of the person sacrificing the animal for a temporary period of time. It could have been up to 12 months, it could have been two days, whatever. But the sacrifice was there. But the blood had to be sprinkled on the altar. So this first thing I want you to understand in this covenant of God is that when we bring things to God, we place them on the altar. And we say, Lord, I can't alter this, so I'm putting it on the altar for you to alter. I can't change the circumstances, I can't alter it, but I'm giving you the circumstances and I'm putting it before you on the altar for you to alter it. Okay, so what does the altar do? The altar does nothing. The altar does nothing. 
It's the blood on the altar that does something. So when the priest sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice on the altar, the altar became sanctified. We're going to look at the word sanctified as we go through this. And it became sanctified so that whatever was placed on the altar, the blood sanctified it. Now, this is the key. We need to go on the altar to be sanctified. The altar 2,000 years ago was the cross. The tree that Jesus was nailed to was the altar. It was a form of torture. It was a form of punishment, but it was still an altar. It didn't do anything for us until the blood of Jesus altered it and sanctified the altar. So when we say we turn to the cross, when we we say we put our problems and our burdens at the foot of the cross, what we're saying is the blood of Jesus can sanctify the problem. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Have I lost anybody? Okay. So it's the blood of Jesus that's really, really important. Let's see what else it says here. Verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Atonement is one of those other words that we need to look at. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Then verse 14, for it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in its blood. Whoever eats shall be cut off. And it's talking about the, uh, the, uh, the sacrifices again. So the life you have is in your blood. I've said it before. But the first thing you do is when you're unwell, you go and visit the doctor. As Christians, the first thing we should do is say, Lord, give me a blood transfusion. Give me supernatural. <laughs> give me the lifeblood of Jesus. But we don't. We go and run to the doctor because in the West we can. And and, it, it, and we go to the doctor and the doctor examines us and sometimes and quite often he'll say, let's take a blood test. And they send your blood off to the lab and the lab looks at all these little things in your blood and sends the results back and the doctor scratches his head and says, let me Google the answer. <laughs> and he goes onto a special NHS Google website which tells him, uh, prescribe these medications and if he has side effects from those medications subscribe these medications to stop the side effects and then if he has side effects from those medications subscribe this pill to stop those side effects and the, the loop goes on and eventually what happens they either cut the problem out or your body heals itself God's involved mm-hmm. Okay. So, so doctors are good but it's, they're practicing medicine. They're guessing about it. Amen? Okay, so <laughs> the average adult has five litres of blood in them. Some of those larger ones may have a bit more. <laughs> but the blood is this. You know, the blood is so precious it's called red gold. Red gold 
if they took all the things out of your blood, those five litres out of an adult, and they separated all the minerals, separated all the things that are in there, it's actually worth more than the same weight in gold. Those minerals. And so, blood is really important. And God's put a, a, an emphasis on blood because it's the life. If you have an accident and you cut yourself and the blood comes out, your life's gone. You know, blood transfusions are, are, are an amazing thing, but if they put the wrong blood in you, or a diseased blood, you're actually worse off. They have to put the right type, and there's different types of blood. A, B, A, B, O, you know. Received negative, and whatever you pronounce it, and positive, and all these things, and all these things in blood. Well, blood carries your life. And if your life is that important, then your blood is more important than you realise. So, if our blood is important, how much more is a perfect blood, the blood of Jesus Christ? His blood came from his Father. Your blood comes from your Father. So, when you have blood in your body, it doesn't come from your mother. When Jesus was conceived, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the power of God. So his blood came from his Father, hence he was sinless. I'll give you an example. Back in the Garden of Eden, we were reading Genesis 4, that Cain was born first after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. They fell from glory into carnality, into sin. They, they, they chose the words of the devil over the word of God. And they willingly, so everything they gave birth to was contaminated. So the blood in Cain was contaminated by the curse of the, of the, word, the world that was fallen. So Cain, what did Cain do? The first thing he does is he becomes a liar. He becomes a murderer. He hates people. Your blood is tainted with these things until Jesus Christ steps in and gives you a new blood. We're, we're naturally not nice on the inside because of the fall of man. So the blood of Cain was rotten. The blood of Abel was also rotten. But what happened is Abel took care of sheep and Cain grew crops. And so when it came time for them to be in the presence of God, Abel sacrificed a lamb and allowed its blood to be penalty, to be, pay the penalty, to allow Abel to be before God. Cain brought the fruit of the creation. He didn't bring blood. He didn't bring a covering. He didn't bring a sacrifice that was, was right. And so immediately God says, I'm not happy with that sacrifice, but I'm happy with your brother's sacrifice because I see blood. It's okay. But I, I, I don't see blood, so there's, there's, there's no price been paid to be in my presence. 
So Cain got really angry and he killed his brother. And God comes down to earth and he says to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain says, I don't know. He knew full well where he was, lying in a ditch somewhere. Am I my brother's keeper? Anger is a first sign of sin and a cover-up of sin. So if you get angry in your flesh, just remind yourself that Cain got angry with God trying to cover up his sin. And so Jesus, or I'm sure it was a Christophany, in other words, God in flesh form or whatever form that was of a, a, that met with Cain at that time. I'm sure it was Christ himself. He turns around and he says, the blood of your brother is crying out from the ground. I can hear it. God's hearing more than you're perceiving. You, you think he's hearing just your words. He's hearing your heartbeat. The blood was crying out. You see, blood has a voice to God. He knows your inner thoughts. He knows the life flowing through your veins. Blood is precious. Hollywood likes to portray it as, you know, the vampires love to suck on blood, don't they? Because they, they're dead things trying to get life out of living things. That's what a vampire is. They, they suck the life out of you. Some might not drain your blood, but they drain you in other ways. <laughs> so the blood is really important. And I know this is maybe not really that entertaining. It might not be that enthralling of a message. But it's a foundational thing for Christianity. You are only a Christian because of the blood of Jesus. And that's why we're studying the blood. That's why we're going to understand that the blood is covering a multitude of sins the blood is bringing us healing the blood is bringing us into a right relationship with God the blood of Jesus is precious it really is precious and as we start to value the blood we start to understand we're valued because the, if the blood was precious and God was willing to pour it out on us to sanctify us to go into his presence then the, he sees us as precious, which means God sees you with great value. Mm -hmm. Your blood is talking to him. Your blood is speaking volumes to him. If, a doc, if your blood can speak to a doctor, trust me, your blood can speak to the great physician, Jesus Christ. <coughs> Everything we have, we talk about, is a condition of our heart or a condition of our mind. Actually, it's a condition of your blood. It's a condition of the life in you. And so we need to get our hearts, our blood systems purified. We need a blood transfusion. Now, the way we get a blood transfusion is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We take the emblems of communion. We take the bread, this body. We take the cup. His, his blood, the symbol of his blood and we receive them into us and when they come into us they can't be separated from us everything you eat becomes part of you every hamburger, every hot dog every you know, cheesy pizza 
whatever it is you're eating, those elements become part of you. So when you eat on the body of Jesus, on the blood of Jesus, you are becoming him. You don't become God, but God becomes in you. Shall we look at some of these words that we we get? That the Bible says with some of the things we get. For example, the Bible says you get redemption through the blood. It says you get reconciliation through the blood. It says you get sanctification through the blood. It says all these words that, what do they mean? I mean, if you're an old King James Bible, you're really struggling because you, some of these words we don't use at all these days. And it's really difficult. So the first word I want to look at, what the blood does for us, is redemption. What does redemption mean? Well, redemption is found through all these Bible verses. And Ephesians 1, chapter 7, sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Okay, so in him... We have redemption through his blood. So this word redemption, what does it mean? Well, first of all, before we get to that, let's see what it says. First of all, it says in him. In him. In Jesus Christ is our only way of escaping eternal death. I don't care what religion you want to quote to me. I don't care what enlightenment you want to quote to me. You know, in India, I saw the Hindus, I saw the Buddhists. You know, the Buddhist is looking for enlightenment. The Hindu is is is, is looking for uh, intimacy with God through the flesh. None of these ways will work. The only way to get into heaven for every man, every woman, every child, the only way you can go into heaven, is through the door. And the door was Jesus Christ. And I remember at Passover, the door was covered in the blood. The lintels, the doorway, was covered in the blood. In John, at the Passover, Jesus said, I am the door. <clears throat> through the blood... Under the blood, in him only, is our salvation. So you can't do anything to please God except receive and enter an in to what he's got for you. I don't care whether you put a suit on, whether you carry the biggest Bible, or you put a robe on with a collar. I don't care. I don't care if you kneel for 12 hours a day praying uh, and you think that will make you more righteous. It does not. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that you enter in. Which means the thief on the cross can turn to Jesus and says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, Today you'll enter into paradise. What? Through the door of his life, blood. There is nothing we can do. There is none righteous. I'm a failure. I will make mistakes. He is perfect. 
I have to be in him and he has to be in me. We have to be one. That's the biggest decision every human has to make. Not who they'll marry or where they'll live or what job they'll do and what career. They are life decisions, but this is a death decision. Are we choosing life and dying to self? This is what happens on the cross. You see, some people will say, well, I prayed the prayer back in 1974. I prayed the prayer of salvation. I admitted I was a sinner in need of a saviour. I believed on Jesus Christ and I committed my life to follow him. And that's all they ever understood. Yet their life's in a mess. They're taking drugs half the time. And then they're feeling so bad in condemnation that they want to turn to Christ every five minutes and that they want to repent all the time. That's not living. That's, that's just existing in a miserable life. Jesus said, I come to give you zero life as God has it. The God kind of life. Being in this world, struggling with this world is not the God kind of life. Jesus never struggled. He came to give us our life. How do we enter into that life? We receive it fully. And we have to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus on our life to alter us, to sanctify us. This is another word we're going to look at. So redemption. The Greek word is apolloastis or something. It means this. We're released by a payment of ransom. In other words, we're being bought back or being repurchased, or better still, we're being won back from what was previously forfeited or lost. In other words, this is redemption. We fall short of God. We, we, we submitted to Satan. We became people of this world. A fallen world. And what Jesus said. The wages of sin is death. I'm going to pay the wages so that you can live. Redemption simply means this. We've been bought with a price. You're not cheap. You cost God everything. See, so many people think they're worthless. So many people think, if I think of myself as worthless, I'm humble. You're not humble, you're insulting God. Humility is serving others and thinking they're more value than yourself. That's humility. Humility before God is loving God more than you love yourself. That's humility, loving others. Jesus said, love God with all thine heart and love your neighbour as yourself. That's humility. But you see, you have great value. Jesus loves you so much. He was willing to give up everything so you could live. And I could live. And we walk into church every week or so, every Easter or every Christmas or every funeral or every wedding, and we think... And then if anybody asks us, what religion are you? Oh, Christian. Go to church and every now and again. 
And the truth is, we have no concept of the value we have on life. Darwin put us down to a cesspool, a gene pool, of mush, and at best a monkey. And the guy had no heart for the things of God. No understanding of his true value. And, and some Christians say, oh, well, he became a Christian at the end. Well, I don't know whether that's true or not. I hope it was true, because otherwise he's going to be in hell. And in the lake of fire forever. We have to understand that God didn't want to send anybody to hell. See, that's the other misconception. Oh, God sends people to hell. No, you don't. Your choices send you to hell. God's made a way of escape. It's called redemption through his blood. God gave his life so you can go free. That's the gospel. God gave his life. I don't know any other gods, and I've been around a few in India. I don't know any of them that have given their life so that I could go free. I know every one of them has demanded my life. You know, every person I've ever met who says they're a Satanist have sold their life to the devil and the devil's demanding their life. I sold my life to God because he purchased me. Paul said, I'm no longer alive to self. I'm a slave to Jesus. He's chosen. But Jesus said, I've made you free so you don't have to be a slave. He says, I'm bonding myself to Jesus to be a slave for him. We have to grasp that God loves us. How much do we love him? Are we willing to bond ourselves to the message of Jesus? Are we willing to die for it? Are we willing to say to our family members, you have to make a decision, it's life and death. You don't know the moment you're going to run under a bus. You don't know the moment a plane's going to drop on your head. You don't know the moment a terrorist is going to blow himself up next to you. You don't know the moment. So make sure that you're right with God right now. Life or death is a choice. I choose life. I receive what the blood is going to do for me. I receive that his redemption has bought me at great cost. Do I understand it? No, because I don't love like God loves. Sometimes when I minister, I feel the love of the Father for the person I'm ministering to. It, it, it hits me with waves of love. But I, it's like I'm, I'm standing at the beach and the wave is hitting the back of me. And that wave is the love of the Father's heart. And it crashes into me. It's not my love. It's his love. I told you about that story where I was on the streets of Chester and I was giving gospel tracts out. And these three men, three grown men, said, what are you giving away? Thinking I'm giving some tickets to a nightclub or something. And I said, no, I'm giving you tickets to life. Uh, and they started to ridicule me. And so I spit in my face and, and do the nasty stuff like that, all three of them. And you know what? 
my heart got supernatural compassion because the old Phil would have I want to knock it like that <laughs> but the heart of the father came and over, overwhelmed me with un, unnatural hence supernatural love for those that were unlovable I tell you God loves us more than we realise he doesn't want anybody to go to hell he wants you free Revelation 1 verse 5 says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We don't talk about the blood in church anymore. We talk about the cross. We talk about the resurrection at Easter. We talk about baby Jesus at Christmas. Uh, uh, and in between those times, we'll talk about getting rich, getting healthy, having a good time. Moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Moving in prophecy. But we don't talk about the blood. We don't really talk about heaven and hell anymore. Why? Why? What's wrong with us? We're only here because of the blood of Jesus. We've lost our first love. We don't understand how much it costs God to die for us. If you're the only person on the planet and you were a sinner in need of salvation, Jesus would die for you. I don't want anybody that comes into this church thinking they are worthless. I don't want me, especially, or you treating anybody like they're worthless because they live in a tent. And it takes great strength and great self-control to deal with people like that. But Jesus died for that person as much as he died for me. I have a revelation of Jesus now. I want them to have a revelation of Jesus now. But one day it might be too late, but they'll still have a revelation of Jesus. Because the Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's coming back. And on his coat it says King of Kings. Yeah. And on his leg it says Lord of Lords. I tell you. He's coming back as a conquering king, not as a baby, not as not as a blood sacrifice on the cross. He's coming back as a conqueror. You see, even Christians don't even agree on that anymore. Christians say, well, maybe he's not coming back as we think he is. Maybe we've got to transform the earth and make it become the kingdom of heaven. Oh, poppycock, have you not seen the world? <laughs> Have you not read in Revelation that this world and this universe has to roll up like a scroll and get burnt with fire? God's given a new Jerusalem, a new earth for his people to dwell in. That isn't achieved by us transforming things. That's achieved by him coming back and putting things in order. See, these are the messages that I'm not preached anymore. They're not preached anymore.
if we did a survey of all the Christians that came out of churches today, how many would say their pastor or their priest taught on the blood of Jesus? How often have you turned on the TV and found a preacher talking about the blood of Jesus? Well, you know, you might find people like Joseph Prince talking about the blood of Jesus. You might find a few of You might find a few uh, of the old, non-spirit-filled, but Bible-believing people talking about the blood still. But the charismatic church does not talk about the blood of Jesus. But it's only by the blood of Jesus that we enter into God's presence. We think, if we think everything's done by the Spirit of God. But the Word of God says the blood and the Spirit bear witness to the one together. You can't have the Spirit of God move without the blood of God covering. Mm-hmm. We're going to start looking at more of these words and we're going to start to realise how valuable we are. And if we're valuable, why do we walk in sickness and lack? Why do we walk in poverty? Why do we have a mindset that's not a kingdom mindset? Because we have no understanding of what God has done for us. Abel's life was stolen from him by Cain. But I tell you, he's in heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I ain't a universalist. You have to believe on earth. You have to confess with mouth that his blood is covering your sins. You have to receive it by the still time. I know this is a heavy message, but it's a vitally important foundational message. We can have fun later. Because this year is going to be covered in the blood of Jesus because everything you want to touch needs to prosper. You need to walk in divine health. You want to walk in divine prosperity. You know, prosperity is not for you, it's for others. So you can be a blessing. You want to walk in that blessing, don't you? You want to, you want to be working miracles because miracles are going to sustain you. When this world's at war, and it is at war, when it, things are really kicking off and, and a loaf of bread costs a year's wages, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. And that miracle is Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross through his blood. Oh, I need a blood transfusion. I, I, I need a life transformation. The Bible says, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just want to give you some things. The Bible says, we're crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but him that lives in me. I want you to experience the life Jesus had. And Jesus says, greater miracles you're going to do. Some, some scholars will say, oh, that means greater in the fact that there'll be more of us doing miracles. Oh, rubbish. He said greater miracles. And if he walked on water, if he appeared in a room in the middle of them from nowhere, and he says greater things you're going to do, I need to be covered in the blood of Jesus to do that. Amen. Father, I thank you that each and every one that's heard the word this morning has come to understand that we talk about the cross, but it's the blood of Jesus on the cross that makes the difference. We talk about 
sin, but it's the blood of Jesus that makes the difference. We talk about hell and heaven, but Lord, we recognise it's the blood of Jesus that makes the difference. And Lord, we talk about the altar and the sacrifice, and we want to place our lives on the altar, but we can't be altered without the blood of Jesus being on the altar because we're not sanctified. And so, Father, I want us to get this revelation in our life of how much God loves us. Only you can do that, Father. The seed I've sown through the word I've preached, Father, Father, I ask that it might take root in our hearts, that it might take root in our minds, and we might start to have an understanding of who we are in Christ. We might have an understanding that the blood of Jesus is washing us whiter than snow. Uh, The blood of Jesus means we cannot fail. The blood of Jesus means that we're in Christ, not out of him. Oh, Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus is bringing us so near and so close that we can't be separated from you any longer. We can't lose our salvation because our salvation is not in our hands, it's in yours. It's not in our blood, it's in yours. <laughs> oh, if, if, the, if every Christian realised how much God saves, they would walk in this. And Father, my desire over the coming days and weeks is that people be set free to know who they are in Christ. And that it's by his blood and his life in us that we can be transformed, that we can walk in divine health, that we can walk in uh, complete provision, that we can sit at the table and, and be blessed. Oh, Father God, I thank you. I thank you. For all you've done. I thank you. We didn't deserve it. But you loved us. We weren't worthy. But you still redeemed us. Oh Father. Because you wanted sons. You wanted a family. I'm grateful that I'm included in that family. I'm grateful that you treasure me so much and you value me so much. Even when I was filthy and worthless, you said, oh no, I love you. I love you. And Father, I want people to understand that they can change and be transformed by this blood. They can be renewed and replenished by the blood of the cross. And most of all, they can know complete complete salvation not a salvation of works, the salvation of law keeping but a salvation complete in Christ Mm. Father give us this revelation in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Amen now as we study these things you'll slowly get empowered you'll slowly start to see yourself different you slowly start to see that the devil can't touch you, despite what Christians tell you. You'll start to understand that generational curses are a myth and not a reality. Well, that's a big one. That's a big one. Because the charismatic church for the last hundred years is all they've done on is talk about generational curses and getting free from generational curses. The blood of Jesus 
in me I'm a new creation no longer under curse but under life oh but you don't know what the doctors have said about my hereditary heart my hereditary cancer I ain't got those issues my heart's the father's heart I'm not a name it and claim it I'm a preach it and receive it kind of guy because the word of God says it I believe it now having said all that this body's passing away this spirit man he's going to live forever we're free we're free we're going to look at the fact one of the one of the worst teachings, one of the most false teachings that is now gripping the charismatic church is the courts of heaven. We will see from the blood of God how blaspheming the blood of God that teaching is. We'll see it, probably not this week, but next week. From the word of God itself. I, I, I have some pet heads about what's going on in the church because I love the church. My desire from being my desire was to see the church become all they're meant to be. And that's why God's called me to speak to the end time church the truth. Not have any of this nonsense that sells books and makes money and fills conferences with nonsense. And the people walk out exactly the same as they did, except their wallets are lighter and their arms are full of books. You know, if you've not been around church, you're not understanding this is what's going on in the church worldwide, especially the West. We have to start to understand these things because God wants us free. Did you think Jesus walked around worrying about the courts of heaven and what the devil thought? Do you think Jesus was bothered about um, living in lack or living in poverty or anything else? No. No, not at all. It, his ministry was that blessed that Judas stole the money on a regular basis. Every offering they took, Judas was pocketing money. Oh, I tell you, when our mindset shifts onto the finished work of Jesus and his blood on the cross, we start to understand everything else that's taught is nonsense. We don't break free from addiction in our own strength. We break free by coming under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to teach you these things because they're important. They're important. They're going to bring you true freedom, true life. Yes, the devil will attack. The devil will trick us. The devil will try to tell us otherwise. But he's a liar. He's never known anything else but to lie. The more we receive the blood of Jesus in our life, the more we understand 
I'd have to look to redeem us too. And I'd save us from where we shall walk like never before. This thing has been placed in each and every one of you. God's showing me in the spirit right now. Yeah, this, this, I'm looking in this room and it's like a spice rack. Uh, and each one of you is a spice jar. And, you know, if you've ever had a spice rack, if you've ever bought a spice rack and it comes with all these spices and you, you, you put it in your kitchen uh, or you put them in the cupboard and and you open the cupboard, open, look at the spice rack, and you look at the spices, and some of you may have got not a clue what those spices are going to do. You, you have no idea if you add that to the food, whether it be good or bad. That's still the case with me. <laughs> and God's showing me in the spirit that each and every one of you is a jar of spice inside of you that he's put inside of you. And you've been sitting on the shelf for so long that nobody knows what to do with you. God's going to take... He's showing me your lids flipping up. He's going to put you into the right dish to be the right aroma, to be the right flavour, to be the right spice. This is what this ground is preparing you for. To flavour the world. Some of you are red hot chili peppers. <laughs> Some of you, oh, I'm just basil. <laughs> oh, praise God, he loves me. He loves me, Barry. <laughs> anyway, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you. I thank you that you are the spice of life. And that you gave us all these great things. You put gifts in us and flavors in us. And, uh, and Father, we, we've been sitting on the shelf. We want to be used. Oh, Father, help us to be used. Help us to change. Help us to take off the seals that man has put on us. Take off the labels that man has put on us. And Father, let's walk in our divine healing, our divine health. Oh, our divine freedom that's been bought with a price. Our Father, let us all choose you. In Jesus' name, amen.